Before we dive into today's show, I want to introduce you guys to another great podcast available on Spotify called Clearly Unclear, hosted by Matt Zabrowski. This podcast dives into sports, pop culture, video games, music, and more. So if you're looking for a diverse podcast that also talks a lot of sports, look no further than Clearly Unclear by Matt Zabrowski, available on Spotify. On today's episode, oh my God, John Morant goes bananas against the San Antonio Spurs. Sean McVay turned down how much money from Amazon? Should pro athlete salaries be disclosed? There's trouble in LA and La La Land's coming to Na Na Land real quick. Random thoughts with P. Scott and a whole lot more. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is Tuesday, March 1st, and I am on the mic a day earlier than I thought I'd be. It, it sounds like a bad thing when I say it like that. I'm on the mic a day earlier than I should be because I'm frustrated with another situation that's going on. Because if you listen to yesterday's episode, supposed to have some people roll through the house today to take care of some things. They postponed again. So since I had some time, I spent it with you, I thought. I'm such a sweet guy. So I'd start this magnificent Tuesday. Oh, it's the first of the month. Bone thug looking boy with some John Morant. You heard in the intro. Oh my God, that dude went off. If you don't follow my page on Facebook, it's the exact same, you know, verbiage of Chopped Up with Peace Guy. You can find it there as well. And obviously you can find these links and these videos regardless of where you go, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter you know, NBA sites and stuff like that. You're going to find them anyways. But if you support the show, if you don't already like the Facebook page, Chop It Up a Peace Guy, we've got about 1,200, 1,250 followers-ish right now, hoping to grow that. So if you aren't already, please like that so you can get like all the newest content and memes and all this other stuff. But I posted it there too. And holy hell, in, in 180 seconds, less than that of game time, but like real time, 180 seconds. John Morant made two of the most bananas plays I had seen this year. And the first one was on Yaka Pertle. And I swear to God, man, there's if there's one thing I do love about John Morant's game, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of segue into something because I'm always willing to admit that I'm wrong. And I feel like I was fairly wrong about John Morant. And I'll get into that in a moment. But yeah, dog, like he just yammed on this dude and it feels like he is always looking for somebody and I saw something that he had posted I think it was on Twitter and he's like I'm gonna dunk on Gobert because he tries to attack Gobert every single damn time I don't believe he's caught a body on him yet but he caught Jakob's body Ooh, man say with your chest bro it was crazy he's always looking to just just make someone look completely stupid when he's going to the rack against a big. And I, I personally love it. Like we talked about the aesthetics of basketball yesterday. 
and a lot of people don't like all the threes being taken. And again, I understand why they take them, and I don't like so much of like the volume seems out of control because there are some really great shots that you are passing up. I understand the reason why with the analytics and stuff, but it does get a little over the top of you could just take the easy bucket. And Jaw's not necessarily taking the easy bucket because dunking over somebody who's like seven feet tall is not easy to do, especially because he's like six two, six three, but his vertical is just bonkers. But yeah, so that happened and there was less than three minutes in the half. And then at the very end of the half, there's four tenths of a second left and there's an outlet pass that's thrown to him and he catches it shooting while fading out of bounds. It was absolutely ridiculous. Again, if you have not seen these two clips, just any source, I hope it's mine, but if you don't go to my source, I don't care. You just need to watch this because it was absolutely absurd i mean because like john's been killing it the entire year and i don't know if he'll ever get mvp consideration it feels like he's kind of climbing that rope you know i feel like most people are in the uh the camp of Embiid or Jokic. i know demar Derozan has been getting a lot of love as far as he's having an mvp type of caliber season but the chicago bulls if we segue for just a moment one of the things i always say on this show is like a w yes it's a w but not all w's are created equal and from what I understand, the Bulls are like, it's like 0 and 11 against their last 11 opponents who have a, a winning percentage above 60% or just a winning percentage period over 500. So Chicago's beating up on little nerds, but when they're playing real competition, they're getting dusted. So that's when we can chalk up to where P. Scott was right, but where I was wrong, if, oof, I was wrong on John Moran. And I, I can admit it when I'm wrong, and I was wrong about this dude. Now, of course, prisoner moment people will be like, "Oh, well, how how did you not know John Morant was going to be this good?" And we see we see top lottery picks flop all the time. We see guys who are not lottery picks flourish. Right? This stuff happens all the time because we're we're not NBA scouts. We don't know what's going on. But he was a dude that was like, I just don't know if it's going to translate. And I don't know if it was because of his build. I don't know if it's because he played at Murray State. It was just something where, like, I don't know if this seems like a reach to me. But damn, this dude is balling, man. So the bullet that I'm willing to bite right now is I whiffed on John Moran. Not that I said he was going to be a bust. It was just like, it just seemed like a reach. I didn't know enough about the dude to do anything, to process anything that would make me suggest, okay, yeah, this guy is going to be an MVP type caliber player within the, the first three or four years of him being in the league. But tell you what. He's one of the most exciting players at the very least. And like when I watch him play, it's really hard to describe him because he's got, I know the AI posted, you know, hey, MVP is coming your way soon. And that was something he posted on Twitter. And he is kind of like, it's Iverson-esque. The frames are are fairly similar. Jaw's a little bit taller. And I would say a little bit more explosive. It sounds, it sounds like I'm dogging on AI, but AI was more handle dude. I didn't consider him like fast twitch speed guy. So his athletic ability, his athletic ability alone, and if you can car- if you can compartmentalize that, athletic ability to me was like young Derrick Rose. It's like a, a Russell Westbrook type of guy, but like he's like the complete package. And I think what's really cool to watch is Memphis is one of these teams that we're not really talking about talking about, and they're. Man, they look like they could be a problem sooner than later. Now, now we always love to do this with like there's a the new the new hype team, the team that's entertaining and fun to watch. And like we just talk about Chicago, they're fun to watch, they're entertaining, they're winning games. And then, but again, you put into light 
what their record is against winning teams, actually good teams, and you go, oh, they're not ready for this yet. Or at least it doesn't appear that way. I'm not trying to say that Memphis couldn't because, look, the way that we look at this is there's 30 teams. Every team at the beginning of the season essentially has a three-ish percent chance of winning. If you're just going to divide the odds evenly between everybody, everybody's got a three percent chance. Now, we know that all these teams are not built equally, like the Rockets. Okay, let's just go ahead and do that real quick. The Pistons. These are teams that are, were not going to be in the realm of a championship, but we weren't talking about Memphis in that light at the beginning of the season either. Now, this is not to say that you can't develop and grow your chemistry and acquire new assets, whatever the case might be, to get better, to put your position to win a chip, but this was not a team that we thought would be there to do that. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that they can't do it. It doesn't look likely to me at this point in time, but they are fun to watch. Jaws got my vote for at least most entertaining player to watch. Again, whew, if you ain't seen them clips, go check out them clips. It was nasty. So while we're on the topic of basketball, we'll go ahead and switch over to the Lakers. Ooh, like I said in the intro, man, La La Land's turning into Na Na Land, and it is getting ugly, like Bubba Sparks ugly real quick up in there. I might be dating myself with that reference, but if you don't know that, go look up Bubba Sparks ugly. I was a banger back in the day but yeah things aren't looking good in LA I mean they haven't for a bit and you know I was somebody who said you know let's let this thing play out a little bit with this rest this Westbrook thing and I thought if at the trade deadline if anyone was going to be moved it was going to be Westbrook I would try to trade Davis because of the injury history and here he is again but it really isn't a good look to have two of your players and especially one of them being LeBron James who's arguably the most recognizable player in the world doing this to fans now I don't know all the ins and outs on this. I know that there was some stuff said to a reason he clapped back and LeBron clapped back. But I will say Lakers fans in general, they gave me the vibe that they just feel entitled and they can just do whatever the hell they want to and talk to anybody however they want to. Now, the Lakers, for the better part of you know NBA history, have been good. Kobe years, and a lot of people don't want to admit this, but Kobe had a stretch of teams where they were trash. But they didn't boo him. Not that I can remember, at least. And I don't know if this is supposed to be just dumbed down to the fact of, well, it's LeBron in Kobe's town. Because I don't think that's the case. Like, not fully, at least. But it did look like they kind of gave up against the Pelicans over the weekend. And I don't really know how this thing is going to play out. But I'll tell you this right now. The Lakers need LeBron James more than LeBron James needs the Lakers. I'll tell you that. At least in the moment, okay? Now, this is something where... We, what I like to do sometimes is draw parallels between the actual work environment that we have and sports, even though they're not the same work environment. But we always look at the corporation who fires somebody and brings somebody else in. It's like, well, they're going to, they can replace you. It's fine. They're going to be fine without you, right? If you say, well, I'm going to quit. Okay, good luck. We wish you the best, but we'll be fine. And that, you know, to the Lakers, that's usually what it's been. We'll be fine without you. You can go ahead and move on. But right now... They need LeBron to, he's the only dude playing at a high level for them. Like he's still averaging like 28, 8, and 8 or something absurd along those lines. And he's my age. So Braun might be somebody who don't like on a basketball front or somebody who, if the only reason why you don't like him is because of the, of the comparisons to Michael Jordan, you say, who's well, not MJ? Well, he's never supposed to be MJ. He's supposed to be Mike, uh, LeBron James. But regardless of what your hierarchy stands of, the reasons why you don't like him, he is still the best player on the Lakers, and that is just a fact. Well, Prescott, 
why do you think they're such bad shape now? It's because of LeBron. Okay, they also didn't win a championship without him either. Okay? And the moves that he was willing to make in order to do that. And it's weird because we we always want our teams to push all in to get championships. If it's our team. And then we see somebody else do it, we got to find a way to discredit it. And that's what we're doing. This is driving me crazy because I was scrolling through my socials yesterday and I saw this and it bugged the hell out of me because it's only the bubble stuff that we're doing this with. Because I guarantee you, if the Heat won that championship, we wouldn't be getting any bubble talk. It would be the it would still be a slander of the Lakers and LeBron James and look how it didn't work. That is how we would do this because either A, you hate LeBron or B, you love LeBron. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm a LeBron defender for the most part and you could probably tell that in my voice right now. But I don't believe that he is the GOAT. I don't think MJ is a GOAT. I don't think that there is one. That is not a line. That is any rule that I subscribe to when it comes to greatest of all time, which I've been over a few times on the show, but we've got some new listeners. That just isn't how I get down. But that is a matter of fact. If the Heat would have won that championship, it would have been Oh, LeBron still couldn't do it with AD. Oh, the Miami Heat won a championship. Oh, the Lakers couldn't even win a bubble chip. That would be what it would be because LeBron is the one who holds the glue of the NBA talk together. It's always been about LeBron. It always has been and always will be. So as much of this thing has kind of gone awry, it's you wouldn't have that championship without the move that he made, regardless of where it was located at. And he's still the best player that you have. So LA, you'd still probably want to listen to him. Now, this this Russell Westbrook move was a little goofy. I wanted to see if it could play out. I thought that it had the potential to if Vogel got things straightened up, if everybody kind of bought in and had their roles. But it hasn't worked. It is an older team. I'm not trying to say that just because it's an older team, it can't win. Because especially if, the, if they do make it to the playoffs, things slow down in the playoffs. And they got a bunch of old vets. The thing I will say is that I don't feel there's a whole lot of guys on that team that can create their own shot. And that is really the biggest thing that I think will hinder them in the playoffs should they even make it. Is It's like LeBron can f- manufacture his own shot. Russell Westbrook can, but only really in the open court. He'll still probably miss that layer, but that dunk. But I don't trust anybody else to go out and get me a bucket isolation game on the line. Bes- Carmelo maybe with his 37 jab steps and then a, a baseline fadeaway. That's, that's what you're going to depend on. Long and short of it is, LA's screwed, but I also feel like, man, if you could just get AD right, and that seems like a big if at this point in time, because he's missed so much time, and he's just, you got those big, goofy, gangly, athletic bigs, and these injuries start to pile up, and I don't know if we'll ever just see a healthy Anthony Davis for a full season, because if you do, that's a different story, but the what-ifs are compiling way too much. In Los Angeles. Before we go to the break, we've seen a lot of players try to like force themselves out and force trades. They're for other players or for themselves. And like LeBron always comes back at the forefront of those conversations of he's the one who kind of started this thing. Everybody else post LeBron has tried to make this thing work and try to win championships, right? And they just haven't been able to. But LeBron's been able to coordinate this however you want to do this, however you want to qualify the math of him joining a super team or creating one or whatever the case might be, however you want to label it. The fact of the matter is that he's done it his way and he's won four championships. Everybody else has tried to do it on their own and they haven't. So if I'm LeBron James, I'm like, yo, you can't tell me nothing. I don't care about my finals records. I've been in the finals half of my damn career. Either 
it's because I've been the best player in the world or on my team, or I've been a good enough general manager slash recruiter to put together the best team. So at this point in time, he's just thinking, man, y'all can't tell me nothing anyways. I'm going to keep doing it my way. And until somebody really proves him wrong, and at this point in his career, he's on the back end where it doesn't really matter. He doesn't have anything else left to prove. That man's almost 40 years old. You ain't going to tell him nothing. That's LeBron damn James. Also, the logo is Jerry Wesney. A lot of losses in the finals, too. But we back after this commercial break. So I get a lot of just random ass thoughts that kind of flow through my head. And this is one that's been brought up in my own cerebral cortex a couple times, but it popped up again this morning of, why do we disclose player salaries? Like we can find them if we Google them, you know, like that's, that's not really the point. It's just every single time that anything is done in the world of sports that's transactional, it is thrown in our face immediately. But there are other things that we find entertainment value in, whether it be music or whether it be movies. Denzel Washington to star in whatever movie next. Also signs $15 million deal to do it. We don't do that with entertainers that way. Like I feel we're, we really don't want to do the research on these things anyways. We're just so lazy. It just gets thrown in front of us. But to me, it's just like, what we should do is if you want to make the salary cap itself presentable to play or to, to fans. Okay, cool. This is what the budget for the team is, but we should stop probably disclosing people's income. This is another thing where find the parallels, at least to the average Joe, you don't disclose the actual income of, you know, your peers and things of that nature, because you don't want to cause a rift in your workplace. And again, these are not the same things. I'm not comparing the two. I'm just drawing the parallels between the two. And I I don't think it necessarily creates a rift in the locker room. I, I think that it can, especially when you have guys outperforming other people's contracts and they want a contract say, well, you're still on your rookie deal. We're going to hold off for a bit. Then they blow out their knee and are like, damn it. I, if I just could have got that money beforehand, I wouldn't be in this situation. And I'm sure that there's some legal thing, you know, as far as because, because this player is considered X type of employee. That's why it's being disclosed. And I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but I feel like for everybody, we would just be a little bit happier if we just didn't know those things. Because the other thing too is, although we end up doing at the end of the day, not all of us. And I don't like being that hyperbolic, but I do use the word always and every time too much. But as a general rule, it's that guy doesn't deserve that kind of money. Well, then let's just not disclose it. We can have the salary cap be disclosed so we know as the team how much money we have to allocate for the year, but just not who it's going to. I don't think it'll happen. It's just something that kind of crossed my mind today. Of like, it's just a kind of a weird thing that we do it to begin with. Speaking of other weird things, I don't like the fact that West Virginia is called West Virginia. I understand that it's to the west of just Virginia, like, but that's not good enough for me. West Virginia should be on the west coast. You should have regular-ass Virginia on the east coast, and then you can have West Virginia on the west coast. Like, It can replace Northern California. Just like cut off the tip of Northern California, and we'll just make that the new West Virginia. Because just because you are connected to Virginia and you're to the west of it, I don't feel like that warrants you being called West Virginia. It's a weird thing for me to think about, but it was, it was another just random ass that I had this morning and I just don't appreciate it. I don't think that that's good enough for me. Awkward transition to not good enough. Holy hell. Did you guys see what Sean McVay turned down from Amazon to host, like to be on their Thursday night broadcast? Woo. Five year, hundred million dollars to just broadcast games. Good Lord. And what was wild, because like after the Super Bowl happened, 
there were rumors floating around that maybe Aaron Donald would retire. Maybe Sean McVay would retire. And I'm going, what? Why? Why would you do that? Aaron Donald's still largely the most dominant defensive player in the league still. Sean McVay's one of the smartest head coaches and he's still crazy young. And you've been to two Super Bowls in like four or five years and you won one already. But then I saw this and go, oh, that's why the rumors are floating around because I don't know if I would turn that down. I was talking with my buddy Matt Zabrowski this morning because this is like, I I appreciate his thought process because we kind of share the same views on these things. And we went back and forth on this and we're both like, yo, the way that I'm kind of looking at this, and like I said, we, we share a lot of the same views on it is if you're you know, 36, 37 years old, you've got your whole life ahead of you as far as coaching is concerned. The other thing is it's been said, you know, well, this opportunity will still be on the table later on. And we both agreed of like, there's no guarantee that this is going to be on the table for you later on. I miss it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned a, a scenario where in my line of work, when I was doing 10 years ago or so, I was offered a certain specific job. And I thought, well, I just got promoted, you know, less than half a year ago. Are you guys sure that I'm ready? And I turned it down because I didn't want to fail. Now, I'm not saying that that's what McVeigh's thought process is on because he doesn't think that he'd be good in the booth because I think that he would be, and maybe he does too. But the thing is, I thought that that offer would always still be on the table. But the problem is, if somebody thinks that you can do it and you want to do it, you should take the opportunity to do it. Because if you don't, somebody more qualified might come along down the line. And we're seeing this right now with the with shift commentators already. Troy Aikman might be on the move. Kirk Herbstreet might be on the move. These are guys who are still well set off commodities. And I don't know, there might be another talented guy that comes up as well. And like that job offer may not be around for you in a few years if you still want to keep coaching. The way that I would approach this if I was McVeigh is because man, $20 million is a lot to give up. And there's, I don't believe that there's any way that the Rams could offer him $20 million a year to coach. That seems just out of control. Like that that's, I don't have the, the, the numbers in front of me. I'm pretty sure that that's somewhere around at least two and a half to three and a half times as much as like whatever the highest paid coach is. The way that I would do it though, is you know what? I'm in my mid thirties. I'm young. I have an opportunity to make $20 million a year for five years. I could do it for five years, make my $100 million, And if I want to come back to coaching, I can come back to coaching. If John Gruden was able to do it, I'll be able to do it. I'll be 42, already got a Super Bowl in my belt, and I can walk right back into coaching and make more than just by anybody who would be coaching currently. I get it. And what he might do is he might play his cards because I, I have no idea it feels like he really loves coaching. I feel like he loves coaching the Rams and his contract is to go through 2023. I would imagine that they would want to extend if they want to keep him with the squad. But this was another thing that me and, and, and Matt kind of talked about was like, man, you could get some real sleep you and make $20 million a year. It's really hard to turn that down, but some guys are grinders. Some people just enjoy being able to, for lack of a better punch, and just the, the glutton for punishment. You know, I'm that way with certain things. And maybe McVeigh is that way too. And he goes, no, you know what? I'm just going to keep at this. I want to build this coaching resume. Maybe I just, I just want to be in the space of being considered one of the best head coaches that's ever lived. Maybe that's his goal. Maybe it's not to be a commentator. Or maybe it's put the resume of coaching out there for a longer time and then get into the booth later. The money on these things is probably going to continue to increase. And that's and that might be another reason why he's doing this. 
from that perspective that we talked about earlier. I'm still young. I can still coach for another 10 years or so. I won't be 50 yet. And then I can get in the booth and then I'll make that kind of ridiculous money because everybody else is getting paid a ton right now and it's only going to go up. You know what? I'll spend my, my retirement years of football doing that then and get the coaching grind out now. I'm just saying your boy over here would take that 20 mil a year for five years right now because you get work way less. It's Thursday night football. It is one day a week making four or five, six times as much as you're making right now. Yeah, let's go ahead and get that bag. But everybody's wired a little bit differently. So we'll see what McVay does. I I enjoy seeing him on the sidelines. I like seeing a young, energetic coach. Uh, I really like what they put together in LA as well. So I'd like to see him stick around the sidelines. But if he were to dip set and then go to Amazon, you know, to do Thursday night football, I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you, McVay. So on this short, you know, and fairly impromptu episode of Chopping Up a Peace Guy, I want to thank you guys all for listening. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Tell your friends, word of mouth is huge. Make sure to smash that five-star review on whichever uh, platform that you're listening on. Since we have the housework going on tomorrow, I will be out of commission. So next episode will unfortunately be until Monday, Tuesday, and or Wednesday of next week. But as always, stay up, stay blessed. And we'll catch you guys on the next one.